What's an educated mama? Hello, I'm Ryan Jordan, and welcome to The Educated Mama. During this podcast, we will learn from experts, entrepreneurs, creators, and leaders who are also mothers responsible for all the things. Let's celebrate women, learn a few mom hacks, and discuss the beautiful mess of motherhood. We're all learning together, right? Today's guest is Michelle Nesky. Michelle has been a physician assistant since 2005 after graduating from Yale University. Since then, the majority of her career has been spent in the field of oncology. Michelle has served in many leadership positions and she has a passion for educating students. In 2019, Michelle started her own company, The Posh PA, where she provides guidance and motivation to aspiring PAs and beyond. Michelle is married with one daughter, has two dogs, and she loves to dance. Let's meet our guest. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me here. Yes, I've been following you, and we are in a Shine Mastermind group together, and it's really wonderful to connect with other women who are doing the things that they love in their life. So I would just love to touch upon your story. Why did you become a physician assistant? Uh, well, it's not as straightforward as most people would think. Um, I'm not somebody that sort of knew I wanted to go into medicine my whole life. I always liked science. Um, and so going into college, I thought maybe I wanted to be a physical therapist or something. And so, um, but at the time I couldn't commit to that decision. So I went to a larger university in undergrad and uh, where I could kind of feel my way through, you know, the first couple of years. And wound up being a genetics major and it was a very lab driven type of career. So when I graduated, I started working in a research lab at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, Massachusetts. And I was doing sort of basic science cancer research, which is very um, sort of uh, lonely at times. Um, There's not a lot of interaction with, multiple people. And I just, after about a year, I was like, this is not going to cut it for me. (laughs) I was like, I need to be more hands-on, like more interactive. Um, it just didn't like the lab kind lab lifestyle just wasn't really what I was looking for. So I thought to myself, well, do I get my PhD or do I, um, you know, go to medical school or what do I do? I'm, you know, 20, two at the time. And, um, and so one of my family friends was a PA that I grew up with and my parents said, well, why don't you talk to her and see what she thinks? And I talked to her and I learned a lot more, um, about the profession. And I was like, wow, this sounds too good to be true. But I was like, well, I'm going to have to go back, take some classes. You have to get like hands-on patient care experience. And my job didn't count. So I do a lot of work to sort of backtrack. But the reason why I chose to be a PA and not, you know, go to the medical school route was because the wonderful thing about the PA profession is that you can change your specialty sort of at any time. So it would allow me to kind of continue to challenge myself if I wanted to be in primary care and then change to oncology or change to dermatology. I could do that without having to go back to a residency. And I just liked that aspect of it. Um, 
obviously it's a shorter training time. Um, I was, you know, already in my early twenties. So, uh, I wanted to sort of get out and get my career started. Um, and so the profession has really grown and changed over the years. And honestly, it's been a profession that has grown with me in many different phases of my life. And I've been able to adapt, um, you know, my, my clinical work with sort of a different opportunities, you know, whether that's administrative or education or starting my own business. So, um, so that's really how it happened. And I, I really enjoyed it. That's incredible. I love that story and that path because it's not so cookie cutter. You know, you had some ideas and expectations, you went to Yale and then it's like, where am I going to end up from here? And so now that you are in the position, I'm curious to know, what is your favorite part of the job? Oh, I, you know, I, I am somebody that works in an outpatient clinic. I used to do hospital-based work. Now I'm more on the outpatient side. And the reason why I love that is because and particularly in the field that I'm in, I really get to know my patients. I really get to have a relationship with them. That's the most sort of rewarding piece. I feel like for me is not only understanding and figuring out their medical condition, helping them to feel better, but sort of getting to know them as a whole person, you know, what aspects of their care that's not medical, can we try to help them with too? Um, and really sort of that more holistic process of getting to know them and not just treating their diagnosis, but also, um, you know, getting to see how we develop relationships and how their relationships change. And, um, so for me, it's that, and I'm just a total nerd when it comes to like new medicines and cancer biology. And I'm just so into that. So I think that, um, you know, there, those two things are probably top two. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, since you work in oncology, working with cancer patients all the time, you know, for me, that would feel really heart heavy, but it also must feel super inspiring. And I, you know, I've had friends who have had children who have had cancer and, you know, that ringing the bell moment that going through those moments. So I would just love to know about your journey with your cancer patients. Do you have any inspiring stories you'd like to share with our listeners or viewers? I have so many, but, um, but I will say that, you know, I've, I've been, I've been in oncology. I've been in a PA for 16 years. I've been in oncology for 14, um, you know, in different settings. And, um, when I first went into oncology, not only was the learning curve huge, but as you said, it felt very heavy, you know, a, a, sometimes not all the time, but sometimes, and there are still those moments, but sort of over the years, you know, you, you develop a way to really look at the positive aspect of it. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's hard for me as a provider, but it's harder for the patient and it's harder for their family. You know, it's not about me. And, and so, you know, we do what we can within the, within the infrastructure that we have and the medications that we have. And, um, but I will say that, you know, it, it really does give you a lot of perspective, you know, on your own life and, and insights and motivation. So I'll tell you about this one patient who, um, still to this day is just an incredible story. So I, um, started taking care of him. I want to say two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, he was a veteran, 
Um, he had liver cancer and just a super nice guy. Like every time he came in, he was always like, I'll do whatever you say. Like you guys are the best. You're taking care of me. He would always come with his daughter. Um, and you know, I would have to see him multiple times, like every three weeks. Um, and then he started having some problems. So I see, saw him more frequently and really saw him in that capacity every three weeks for two years. So, um, eventually the physician that was, um, his oncologist, uh, transferred to another institution. And when that happened, I transferred to another physician. And so I stopped being directly involved in his care, but obviously he was seeing another doctor there. And so if I saw him in the lobby, he would always give me a big hug and be like, we miss you. And, you know, just be so nice and update me on like what was going on. And so one day, um, just prior to the pandemic, um, I got a note from one of the scheduling people that sit, you know, outside of just in front of the clinic. She came to the back and she said, um, somebody left this envelope for you. And it had my name on it. And I was like, oh, okay. Do you know who it was? You know, no, we don't know. Um, but they said it must, they made me promise to hand deliver it to you. I said, okay. All right. So I open it up and it's a letter from this patient saying that he is not doing well and that he would really love to see me, you know, um, he was going into the hospital and that he really wanted to see me, um, before he passed away. So I was like, Oh my God, I was so, you know, touched by that. And so, um, things went pretty quickly and his daughter reached out to me and she said, you know, um, is there any chance you can come see him? And I happened to be out of town and I was like, I'm back tomorrow. I'll come see him. And I went to see him and he just grabbed my hand and like started sobbing. And he said, you know, you, you really changed my life. You took such great care of me. I will never forget you. Um, and he said, you know, if, if I have to have cancer, you know, or if anybody has to have cancer, they should have you by their side. And so, you know, we're all crying. <laughs> And, you know, um, you know, just trying to help him understand that it was okay to let go. Um, it was, you know, he, he had done everything he could, you know, he wasn't giving up and, um, you know, the, the next day he was able to go home and he eventually passed away a few days later and his daughter reached out to me and she said, you have no idea what that meant to him. Um, I've you know, she said, I really feel like, oh, I have chills. She said, I really feel like you, that was the closure he sort of needed from like the cancer journey perspective. And so that's the kind of thing that, you know, keeps me going. And so when, when things are difficult that happen, you also realize this really is a journey for them. And it's, it is for you too. And you don't realize sometimes how much impact you can have on someone's life. So it's pretty amazing.
Those are amazing moments that you have and you're touching somebody else's life and they're touching yours equally. And it's this relationship you build as you're going on this journey. But it's those moments in life where us women work and we realize our work does really matter. You know, at the end of the day, it, our work matters and your work is touching so many people's lives. And I would love to know, while you're working with patients who have cancer, you're also educating a community of people as well. And then you're also a mom. So these are a lot of different hats to wear. Moms wear many hats, that's not a surprise, but I'm curious to know how do you balance it all? You have your mom life, your entrepreneurial life, your medical life, you're an educator life, you're a, you're a wife life. How, Michelle, honestly, how, how do you balance it all? Um, I don't, <laughs> I mean, it's a constant, um, juggle. It's a constant, you know, I do the best that I can, um, you know, on days where it's hard for me to go to work, you know, and my daughter will say, why do you, why do you go to work or, or do you like to work? And I say, yes, you know, and I tell her the things that I do and try to give her that understanding, um, which I think helps. Um, I work part-time in my medical job now. So like in, at the clinic, I'm only there three days, which is great. So I'm able to balance that a little bit with the, uh, business, you know, the posh PA and, you know, the other education that I do, um, and try to balance, you know, being a mom, my husband is a surgeon, so we have kind of crazy schedules. And so, um, somebody had said to me very recently, instead of, you know, balance, it's more like sway, like work-life sway. And I'm like a hundred percent agree because at one time or another, something's always winning. Right. So, you know, recently it was my business that I wasn't balancing very well. And before that it was my clinic. I wasn't balancing well. And you know, and then one week it's like, I'm being, I feel like I'm mom of the year. And then the next week I'm like, oh my God, like <laughs> I am a C plus. So, you know, I, I, there's just this way that comes along, but there are some things that I have done that help a little bit. Number one, the morning I give myself 30 minutes. So I work out in the morning, you know, or maybe I don't, maybe I lay in the bed, but it, usually I'll get up and work out. But for 30 minutes, I just give myself that time, you know, to myself, um, and getting up and moving my body makes me feel better. And I know that, that that's going to help me. So starting that day off, right. Like that really helps me. And then the second thing is, you know, when my husband gets home and when we eat dinner, phones go down and we spend time with my daughter and every night before bed, we, you know, she gets, takes a, sh a shower or bath or something and we play games. So like Uno and, you know, Candyland and all we usually play three games. And then we, you know, we're, if we're both here, we bring her upstairs. We read, she reads to us now, or we read books and she phones her down until she's asleep. And then we can kind of do whatever we want. So there's at least that, right? And if one of us has a phone, we're like, hey, you know, like kind of I'm like, come on, come on, you know, like 15 minutes, like let's let's give her our attention. So those just two small things definitely help, but it certainly is not easy <laughs> every day. So 
I am right there with you. I tell myself every day I'm having no phone between five and eight and I'll go for months and that'll be the thing. And then all of a sudden it's that one call that comes in at 4.55. And of course that's the call you're on till 5.40. And then you miss dinner that was at 5.30 with your kids and you're trying to catch up and your whole night kind of gets into a snowball effect. And, you know, I, I'm still managing the balance of it all too, Michelle. And I think it's an ongoing thing. I don't think any of us are ever going to have it done perfectly. It's just, like you said, the whole sway and managing it all at once and trying to give ourselves breaks is, is, is um, what I'm learning, which is not as easy as well. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit more. You mentioned Posh PA. I want to know where the name come from, came from. I want to know why did you create this business and community? So tell me more. Yeah. So um, I, when I was going to going to through the PA school application process, like I knew nobody, like nobody in my family is medical, nobody. So, you know, they're like, what, like, we, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why are you seem like you're going in reverse? You know, what, what is happening? And it was a very challenging application process to navigate. And that process has only become more complex in the last 10 years with an absolute increase in the number of PA schools. Um, now with it being named like the number one profession, medical profession by US News and World Report, um, it, it's just been, you know, incredibly growing and rapidly and fast. And, you know, the one thing that's different about, you know, applying to PA school versus applying to medical school is that a lot of the schools have some different requirements. Um, and so trying to match yourself up, you know, with what school needs what and how many hours do I need of this and what should I have for this? I mean, it really is a puzzle, you know, like at times. And so I know going through it myself back when there were still like paper applications, it was very difficult, you know, to sort of navigate that. So, you know, um, I had a couple of uh, students that worked with me, um, either shadowing or they were research uh, people that were in the clinic who wanted to apply to PA school. So I started helping them, you know, sort of just saying, hey, I'll look at your personal statement or, hey, I'll, yeah, this is what you should do. And did that for a while, you know, and, and felt a lot of satisfaction from it. And like, I was legit excited, you know, when they got in and I was like, wow, this is so fun. This is so rewarding, like in such a different way. And, you know, eventually I just, people just started asking and just, I started saying yes. And then it just sort of grew, um, into this business and it really started more as a blog. So I started it as a blog, um, and, you know, answering questions through blog posts and things like that, and then expanded to doing, you know, sort of one-on-one, -on -one, um, services. And as far as the name goes, I just wanted something fun. Like I just wanted something fun and catchy and, um, you know, I love fashion and like, you know, so I was like, okay, well this kind of fits me and it just stuck, you know, and, and it's something people can remember. And, um, and so I just kind of went with it and, um, it's just been insane over the last two years, um, how people have allowed me into their journey, how, um, how things have just grown and changed so quickly. I have no business background. So this is a huge learning curve for me. 
um, you know, really having to invest in things like the coaching program we're in and, um, you know, a business coach that I had before and just even understanding, you know, how to build something like this. And the process is definitely, um, been changing and learning and growing, um, both from myself and from the business. But, um, when I get those messages that they got accepted or, you know, it, it just literally made, like, I literally get so excited. Like I'll be there and I'm like, yes. And Dave's like, what? I'm like another person got in and I'm like, <laughs> and like, they think I'm kidding, but I'm not like, I'm so excited. And so, um, because it's helping somebody get to their dream. Right. So it, it, it's just really, really fills my cup and really enjoy doing it. I'm so glad you found something your other, another passion of yours, you know, is discovering that. I feel like every decade we have a new passion that comes along and we're really invested in it. So that's fun. Um, so I'm curious to know now that you are a female founder of a company and an entrepreneur, what is your best advice for female founders? Wow. That's hard. Um, I think the best, my best advice would be, um, and, and, people have been saying this to me from the beginning is managing your own expectations is harder than what you perceive other people's expectations are of you. Um, I think that, and then also setting boundaries. So those are probably top two. I'm not very good at either one of those, but I've been trying really hard um, to do this because, you know, on one hand, you hear a lot of um, podcasts and um, books and things about hustling. And if you're not in it all day, you're not in it, you know, kind of a thing. And then you're like, oh, well, if I'm not doing this 24 seven, am I really invested in it? Because I've listened to books like that. Like if you're not doing this, like in every pocket of time, then can you really call yourself an entrepreneur? And I think there's a problem there, right? Because a lot of us are trying to balance a lot of different things. And I think hustle looks different for a lot of people. And so for me, I was putting all these expectations on myself that I needed to be doing this you know, every moment that I was not in the clinic or doing something else. And nobody's putting those expectations on me except me. And so I have had to try to learn and I'm still struggling with that at certain points, you know, throughout this journey about, you know, managing my own expectations of myself and really saying, I'm not doing any calls after eight o'clock at night. Like I'm, that was one thing I set this cycle, this application season, I'm like, I'm not doing any evening calls. Cause last, last time I did them and I did them and I couldn't go to sleep after I was sleeping horribly. I was going to bed late, getting up early, being cranky. So, you know, that was one thing, at least I stuck to, you know, from a boundary standpoint. So that's probably the top two things that I would say. That is excellent advice. And I think a lot of people can do some boundary setting in their world. Um, Michelle, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? This is an opportunity for you to share anything that you find of value or importance or that you would like to talk about. I just, um, I just think that, you know, for me, um, that there are, there's going to be a lot of people that may say, why are you doing that? Like you are, you're a PA or you have this career and you already have a career. Like, 
why don't you just be a professor at a PA program? Or why don't you just do this? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you on social media? Um, why are you, why don't you just follow this traditional road, you know? Um, and what I have to say to that is that for me, the most joy has come from the non-traditional path. And that is because it's different and it challenges me and it challenges me both personally and professionally. And so if you feel that you're being pulled in a direction that maybe everybody else thinks might not be the best path for you, follow that instinct. Like follow your gut. I always follow my gut, whether it's with patients, whether it's with the business, whether it, and it's almost never wrong because I'm following the feeling that makes me feel, you know, joy fulfilled and things like that. So it's scary. It's not easy, but usually it's the most rewarding. And, um, of course there's going to always be people that are, um, really maybe not for what you're doing, but then those are just not your people. So, um, I think that, you know, just don't get caught up in having to do something because that's the traditional way, you know, follow what you really feel is going to give you a feeling of fulfillment and purpose and, and joy really. Excellent advice, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. This was awesome, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you had some great aha moments. I am so passionate about empowering women and I can't thank you enough for your support. If you know an inspiring mama or you are an inspiring mama, send them our way. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday and please like, follow, and subscribe to The Educated Mama. Write a review, leave us a comment, share this podcast with your friends. I'm Ryan Jordan, founder and CEO of Educated Nannies. You got this, mama.